This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to this week's Non and Ever podcast. I'm Jamie Smith and joining me this week are James, Kevin and Jordan. Lots and lots to go through. Burnley smashed their transfer record and I mean smashed. And we got our first win of the season on board since we were last on air. So we'll start with you James. You were at Turf Moor at the weekend. 1-0 win over Brentford. Um, Wasn't a particularly great game was it? But important to get that first win on on the board. Yeah, no it wasn't fantastic but um, I think... um, Everyone was feeling a little bit more buoyant after obviously the signing on Friday, and um, I think all that matters is we got got three points and um, we can grow from there. John, it, it it wasn't exactly one to write home about. Maybe both sides still feeling their way into the season. Still, is that fair to say? Yeah, I think that's a fair assessment. Um, it wasn't a classic. Um, we were far from our best, and I'm sure Brentford will will sort of um, you know feel the same way, but. Um, no, the important thing is getting that first win. Um, players and managers always preach about the importance of that first win as a sort of psychological barrier to overcome. And with it taking us so long to win last season, I think it was important we got off the mark relatively quickly this season. And uh, yeah, it's something to build on now. We'll, we'll hear from Brentford fan Dave Lane a bit later in the podcast on his thoughts on the game. Um, Kevin, another goal from a set piece. That's becoming quite a, a good area for us this season. Michael Keane, our top scorer at the moment. It is, yeah, and it's quite uh, it's quite interesting that Keane Keane has got those two headed goals because I think actually at the back he's been he's been struggling most at the back with uh, the high balls in the air. I think I think there's been a couple of goals and a couple of almost goals where he's been caught out in the air. So it's quite interesting that he's um, he's got those two headed goals at the top. Um, but yeah, I think I, it's just all along good scoring, scoring set pieces that can be really important. But it'd be nice to score some, some more. Um, Open play goals as well. I still don't think we've got that that fluidity into the to the way we're playing. Um, it's it's possibly getting there, and it's great to get our first win. And I think things will come together, especially especially when we get the, the team built a little bit more. I think it's still a few um, square pegs in round holes. Um, but yeah, we're, we're definitely getting there, and it's great to um, to, to get that win. So I, I can't complain too much. But yeah, some open play get open play get goals would be good. Typical negativity from none and ever. Score a goal, win a game, not the right sort of goal. It's terrible. Um, there was a debut, obviously all the attention was on Andre Gray, who was sat in the 
the director's box, I think, with his feet up on the seats, which is outrageous. I have to stamp out that sort of unruly behaviour. But Ruben, Hevin, Ruben Hennings made his debut. We heard about him from our German footballer friend, Eric, last week, who told us a bit about him. James, what did you make of Hennings' full debut for the club? Um, I don't think there's really a, a lot, to, lot to judge him on, really, to be honest. And I think that's possibly the case for quite a few players that really didn't stand out but at the same time you didn't think they, they had an awful game so um, you know, I've, I've heard very good things about him and he, you know, this, he showed little glimpses so I think it's one of those ones where we'll have to see see how it works out and you know, see who ends up next to Gray and, and uh, what that brings The strike force Jordan um, obviously there's a lot of strikes and we'll talk about that a bit later were you a bit surprised that, that Jukovic still got the nod alongside Hennings Boston dropped to the bench uh, I was, yeah. I mean, theoretically, maybe Duke and Hennings is one that could work. You know, with sort of Hennings is a bit smaller and a bit more mobile, and Duke's obviously the, the bigger target man. But um, I thought sort of Vokes would have, would have filled the um, criteria for the target man, and um, I wasn't that surprised to see Hennings giving his debut. Um, but it would have been nice just to see a bit more of him. Um, you know, we, we're led to believe that he's got a powerful left foot shot, but I can't really remember him having a having a um, notable effort on goal. Um, so yeah, I guess the combination surprised me, but I think in terms of the actual plan, you know, sort of a little and large combination, I think that I think that was the right idea, just maybe not the right personnel. Talking about strikers, Kevin, we always we'll talk about Gray in detail next, but we all assume he'll be the f- one of the first names on the team sheet. Who out of the strike force do you think is most suitable to play with him? Um, to be honest, I've not seen. I've not seen a lot of uh, of the likes of Vossen and and Hennings to to really know exactly what sort of players they are. Um, I think mean, I think my concern really is is how you keep all these strikers strikers happy uh, because whoever you, you you play against him, you're going to want to to get to have that, that regular partnership as we as we know in the, the promotion season can prove so fruitful with the um, with Danny Ings and Sam Vokes. And I think we've we've now got four strikers in the team. In the squad, sorry, who are probably all like to be starting games, um, in Vokes, Hennings, Gray, and Vossen, uh, and obviously two of us are, are not going to start games unless Dice some, does something unthinkable and changes his formation. Is is changing the formation allowed? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how that, how, how that one plays out. Um, you'd probably expect maybe. Hennings and Gray to play together. Um, Vossen hasn't shown too much so far, and Vokes still doesn't look quite back to what he was in the promotion season. So that's what I'd go for at this stage, I think. So earlier I spoke to Dave Lane from the Besotted Brentford Fans Network blog, fanzine, and podcast. Dave, what did you make of the game? Yeah, from our point of view, it was disappointing, really. Um, it, it was it wasn't a pretty match from 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 both sides, really. Um, I think we expected a little bit more from Burnley, having come down um, and put up such a good fight last season, and we expected a bit more from our own team, if we're being honest with you. Um, apart from a sort of a twenty minute period in the first half where we took the game, um, you know, to Burnley, um, we, we we looked a bit flat. 
Um, we looked a bit, a bit lacking a bit of quality. So we're, we're a bit, you know, on the way back, we sort of had plenty of time to mull it over. So we're just a little bit, a little bit concerned that we, we you know, we've been weakened um, by, a, by a couple of by a couple of departures. So we're just looking for these next 10 days, really, just to see if um, we're able to bring in what, what it is we were lacking yesterday. So, uh, you know, I think we're philosophical. We're in the same position where we were this time last year, you know, draw, a win and a defeat. So, um, yeah, we've got, we've got the, we've got the, you know, we've got the full trumps at the moment so. for a game that you'd, you'd say involved perhaps two teams that will be expecting to be top six at the end of the season there wasn't a lot of quality on trail was there is that just early season both clubs trying to get I think so the speed of the league again I think so yeah I think obviously from your perspective you you, you need to just kind of um, you know just get to grips with how, how this season is you know you, you're you're very equipped and you're very experienced and getting promoted from this division. So um, it's about climatising yourselves again. Um, from our perspective, um, we did so well last year, um, which it's a bit, it's kind of really difficult for us to expect possibly for that to happen again. Um, obviously, that's what we hope. But it was such a good season. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's almost like a, it's almost. I don't want it to be a millstone for us, but the expectations have risen so high now. Now. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's good to have high standards. So you know, it's, it's not. It shouldn't be seen as a negative. Um, you know, we should be striving for, for, for replicating what we did last year. But it's going to be, you know, it's just going to be so difficult to do. So um, you know, we're, 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 I don't think we're really going to know what the season's going to hold for us until we're ten games in. We've got to ask you about Andre Gray, of course. I suppose it's been inevitable from your point of view that he was going to go with the, the bid from Bristol City recently, and that move fell through. Yeah. Um, What's your view on Gray? Obviously, you only played for Brentford for a year, but scored a lot of goals and you've made a big profit on him. So you must be quite pleased in one way, but obviously you've lost one of your better players. So yeah, it's sweet maybe. Yeah, bittersweet. And I think yesterday was a perfect example. That game was crying out both sides needed him on the pitch. You know, he he, he would have come on and, and, and caused merry hell in, in both defences. There was there was a real lack of cutting edge danger um, at both ends. And you know, um, unfortunately for us, unfortunately for you, you've got to you know you've got to be able to enjoy him now for the weeks and months and years ahead now. Um, and we need him to go to Burnley and be a success because there's a big chunk of money. Um, it would appear that's linked to success at Burnley is a you know is a big big payment pay um, due immediately um, and there's a lot of it that's linked to um, you know uh, land, you know milestones um, going forward so we needed to go to Burnley and score goals uh, so uh, yeah bittersweet I mean I guess obviously the sweet is 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 the cash um, uh, the bitter is he will leave a big hole um, in our squad um, but we, we he did miss a, goal, a lot of goals last year um, he scored a lot um, but he did miss a lot so he, he's work in progress um, and we ran we ran a little bit of a not a poll but we ran a um, you know, question as a Brentford fan would you rather be selling Andre Gray for 9 million or buying him for 9 million and it was almost unanimous that it was you know it was sell um, we, we, are, we don't we're not a team um, that's going to be paying that kind of money for for players that's not our business model um, and uh, I think you know it's a sign of the game breaking to be honest um, we've we've benefited from it this time um, we're going to have to pay more for players obviously um, people know we're going to we've got money um, the prices are going to rise um, things are spiraling um, he's a good player he's not a nine million pound player he's a three million pound player um, so you've paid three times too much for him and that's not Burnley's fault um, that's just the way football is 
you know, you've got this parachute payment um, and you've got um, premiership money to spend and that's, that's, that's warping the game. So, you know, we're not going to cry over it. That's just the way it is. We've got to cope. We've got to deal with it. But um, I think the Andre Gray transfer is a sign that, um, you know, there's too much money around um, and, um, you know, you've had, to, you've had to pay a king's ransom for him. So we'll see what we can do with it. It's interesting what you say about Brentford not being the sort of team that pays that sort of fee because I would have said a few days ago that Burnley aren't the sort of team to play that sort of fee, but apparently now we are, and everyone's still trying to get their head around that. Yeah, well, I think, uh, yeah, it's, we're, we're all in this state of evolution. Um, yeah, you're probably right. You probably, you, you know, up until now you've done things um, a sensible way. Um, you know, you've, you've bought and nurtured talent and let them develop and, and flourish at your club. And once once they once they you know feel that they're too big for you, then they they fly off somewhere else for for a lot of money. Um, I guess it's a, yeah, it's a landmark day in Burnley's Burnley's history. Maybe you know, it's either you're going to get your fingers burnt and you've paid too much for one player and you don't do it again. Or it works, and that's the way you're going to have to operate going forward if you want to get back to the prem. You know, there is an urgency for you guys because you've got X amount of years that you you have to get back up to the promised land. Um, we're trying to get there still, um, but you know, it's uh, the parachute payments don't do warp things. You know, it's obviously it's in, you know it's, in your, it's working well for you, um, and it equips you better to to, to get back up. I agree. I, I don't really like parachute payments, but obviously we've got them. So yeah, you know, it's it's, um, it's, you know it's got we're obviously not going to just leave them in the bank. We're obviously going to spend them. Um, I suppose from our point of view, whatever the fee turns out to be, I mean, I've seen that it's six million rising towards nine million. If those goals get us promoted, then it'll probably look like a bargain, won't it? Obviously, it's a lot of money, but it's it's that sort of um, the risk that I think we're willing to take. Oh, yeah, well, you're gonna have to. You do have to take the risk. Yeah, it's, it's all about getting back. Um, you know, I, we'll probably be in exactly the same position. If, you know, if our turn comes around and we 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 get to you know grace the top table, so we'll have to see. And um, you know, this is about how you um, retain your identity as a club as well. And we we felt you know it was a it was a real good, honest um, town and, and club. And we had, we had a we had a we had a we had a good day in Burnley. Um, and so hopefully that that doesn't change. Um, where people's expectations become so unrealistic, um, it, it, it just changed things. The fun, the fun goes, um, uh, and I, I didn't get that sense yesterday. I thought people were really down to earth and grounded, and I just hope you know some some really good clubs around clubs like Bournemouth as well. Um, you know, I just hope for their fans' sake that it's uh, it, it doesn't ruin their club. It doesn't it doesn't contaminate. Um, it's just it's just really hard to get the balance right. You know, yeah yeah, you want to see your your club compete. And, you, and as, as fans, we always, you know, would rather be uh, going to to Anfield and, um, and Man United and all those kind of places regularly, rather than once a year in the third round of the cup. But you know, sometimes it's careful what you wish for. I think that's what's so interesting about Brentford, and a lot of fans seem to they mock it in a way because maybe they don't understand it. But you've got a super rich owner, like a lot of clubs these days, but. You don't act like clubs with super rich owners. He's got a very clear plan. And he wants to do it a different way. 
Yeah, it, it does. It does want to do it in a different way, and I, I, you know, it's, it's very hard for to, you know to to, to um, explain it in in sort of like you know a couple of paragraphs. But you know, if you, if you're, you know, if your listeners want to um, list, uh, see a documentary um, by Copa Ninety, it's called um, Moneyball to Mittyland, I think it's called. That really does explain it very well. Um, uh, so, so I think it's a fifteen-minute um, documentary, and it, it really does you know sums it up perfectly. Just finally, then, obviously, it's, it's early days, and you, you've got to replace Gray. But what, what you're hoping for from Brentford this season? Do you think you can get in the playoffs again? Um, I think I'm hoping that we can um, start picking up a couple more wins, um, not not drift too far behind the pace setters. Um, acclimatise. We've got we've got a few injuries. We've got people like Yota out, who's um, you know he's, he's pivotal to us. He's you know he's a, a classy quality Spaniard. Um, we've got um, Andreas Bielend who's going to be out for the season, so we can we can write him off for the, for this year. Um, and but we've just brought in you know you saw him um, for twenty minutes towards the end, Maxine Collin, um, the guy we just brought um, French French uh, international. He looked he looked quality. He was he was probably our only highlight of yesterday to to, to see our new right back. So Moses Odebajo was sold to Hull. Um, we got a lot of money for him as well. Um, and this is the example we've used um, Matthew Benham's research to uh, to buy to my Maxine Collin for a million. So um, that's that's what we're hoping for is to to see um, you know this, this new squad evolve. And uh, yeah, if we if we can be uh, in the top ten, um, you know, uh, just after Christmas, and we you know maybe maybe push. So you know, we I think it's half of us, <laughs> half the fans are expecting a repeat of last year, and there's another lot. That, you know, we're, it's really work in progress again this year. We might have to take a step backwards really in in our ambition just for this season. As long as we're not flirting with relegation, I think that that, that will be too negative. I think um, you know what's, what's happening at Brentford. Uh, it needs it, it does need some success. It needs a, you know I don't, I don't I don't want to be flirting around the bottom four. I don't think that'll be healthy for anyone. But top ten. Good. Yeah, nobody wants that. Well, thanks a lot for joining us and best of luck for the rest of the season. You too, mate. So that was Dave Lane from the Besotted Brentford Fans Network. We talked to Dave about Andrea Gray there. Um, I don't know about you, but I was bemused when I first heard about us being linked to Gray. I thought he'd be well out of our price range. Certainly one that, that caught me by surprise. Um, James, apparently the fee is about six million, rising towards nine, maybe even ten million. Did you ever think Burnley would pay that sort of money for a player? Um, no, I didn't. And, you know, with uh, our previous is apparently three million um, for for George Boyd last season, and roughly it's not dissimilar amount for Stephen Fletcher, I think, as well. Um, but. It's, you know, it's a lot of money. Six million is a lot of money, and you know, with add-ons, you're looking at probably seven, eight. Um, so, yeah, it's a almost a scary amount of money to think of uh, Burnley spending. But if if the goals goes back to the Premier League, then obviously it would have been worth every penny. And, and what about Gray himself? Obviously, he was he's only had one season at Championship level, but I think he's got 17 goals in the league. Brentford have obviously decided to to cash in on him and, and move forward in another direction but you think Gray is going to be a good fit um, I haven't seen an awful lot of him since um, his first season for Luton so I don't want to <laughs> go on t- tell your story about watching Have Gray Luton <laughs> this might be breaking news to some people I, I, I think this, just the summary of it is he'd scored twice in the whole of, well in the season until October when I saw him it took him another six games to even score again. 
and then he scored 16. So clearly at some point um, it clicked and he's just kept scoring goals at every level since. And hopefully um, he's 18 or 17 or 18, whatever it was last season, at championship level wasn't um, a fluke and he can do it for us. Development has clearly been quite rapid with Gray. As you say, he was playing non-league football just a couple of years ago. And John, probably a signing that Frank McPaul and the new director of football has had an impact on, considering he was at Brentford last season. And just to note as well, clearly all the stories about us not being able to buy players from Brentford, absolute rubbish. Yeah, I think um, Frank McParland's done well since he came in. I think the recruitment side of things has been a lot more clinical in that we've identified targets and got most of them, obviously, one of two slipped through the net. Um, but yeah, I think he's done well on the whole. And um, yeah, I'm really, really excited by the grey sign. And I think the fee itself is sort of, you know, I, you know, Dyke said after the game that that's sort of the way the game's going, how the market is. And I'd have to agree with that assessment. I think, you know, we've only paid £3 million so far for our, our club record fee. But I think at some point it was always going to be um, broken. I didn't expect it to be sort of doubled, but um, there was always that likelihood with you know the amount of money in the game and our parachute payments that you know us paying that kind of money somewhere down the line wasn't sort of um, you know too far away and too unthinkable. But um, yeah, it's, um, hopefully he can do well and, and contribute like Austin and Ings did, who sort of you know had spells um, out of you know non-league football. I think Ings was at Dorchester Town and and Austin obviously similar sort of level, and then they both got on to, to bigger and better things. Um, I think Gray mentioned that in his interview, sort of the way that Austin Ings, uh, Jay Rodriguez have gone on to to you know uh, international call ups and and whatnot. Um, so obviously he's ambitious. Whether he sort of achieves those goals with us is unsure. Uh, remains to be seen. Sorry. Um, but I think it was a polite way of saying that we're merely just a stepping stone, which I don't mind particularly because, like James said, if he gets us the goals to get us in the Premier League and we uh, we make a decent profit on him, then uh, everyone's a winner. Talk of the fee has has got a bit out of control. I think in the last couple of days, I've seen ten million um, on one Brentford blog. Someone else on Twitter was talking about eleven, twelve million. The fee seems to go up every time I see it. Um, Kevin, you're particularly unimpressed with the the trend of undisclosed fees across football but as as far as we can make out our local press is saying it's about six million guaranteed Luton Town have have disclosed that they're due at least 1.1 from their sell-on so I think people have worked out that it's about six six and a half million it's a lot of money but as James and Jordan have pointed out it's it's an investment in someone who's proven at this level and that's not the sort of signing we've made in recent years um, no, I th- I'm the one who who put my known and never tweet out in the morning saying it was no. Blame Kevin, happen. all Kevin's fault. So um, yeah, as it became apparent throughout the day that it was going to happen, I was hoping everybody would just um, forget that exists that tweet ever ever happened. Um, it didn't, by the way. It was, yeah, I made that up. It didn't happen. If yeah, um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's it's. I think something we, we've we've seen uh, the, the signs we've seemed to go for in the last few years have been either. Um, players who've shown promise previously in their career, um, but it's gone a little off tracks with the likes of Sam Vokes and Djokovic and Sordell, um, or the, the very raw, kind of sort of unproven players. So I think Ings um, and a few other players who, who kind of fit that mould who haven't really broken through into the into real hot form in first team elsewhere quite yet. And so I think a lot of the players we've signed have always been that hopeful and potential. Um, whereas, whereas Gray is 
is the opposite. He's he's someone who is banging form and is really a, a hot property. So it was quite a surprise to see. It's, it's like I say, it doesn't really fit the model of uh, the type of player we've 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 been going for in recent years. But it's it's exciting to see. It's one of the probably the most excited signings I think I've seen um, the reaction to online and myself. I think. Um, Judging by the the response I've seen online, I think everyone was was kind of ecstatic by it, which is um, not probably been the case for many of our signings in the last few years. I mean, that, that's also partly just because it seems to come out of the blue. I think there were reports the the night before that we were that we were interested, but as, as certainly Dash likes to keep things close to his chest, he doesn't tend to talk about opposition players, as is the right way to go about it, in my opinion. But a deal like this must have been weeks of work and they managed to keep it really quiet, so that's that's very impressive. Um, it's it's one of the strange quirks of football that Gray was apparently on the brink of going to Bristol City and didn't sign for them, and of course it looks like his debut for Burnley is going to be at Bristol City at the weekend. Um, James, he scored in his first two games this season. It it would be one of these... these Turns of facing football. If he went to to Ashton Gate and scored at the ground that he could have been playing for the other side. Yeah, I mean it's, it's an interesting one. Um, from watching his interview on um, Player, it, it didn't sound particularly like he was actually ever interested in in going to Bristol, um, and that Burnley was Burnley was the place he wanted to go. Which obviously does give you an idea that maybe this move had been in the works for several weeks now. Um, but it could be interesting to see um, what Steve Cotter has to say, obviously, because he's not always been a, a man to sit on the fence. So, um, no, and it'd be interesting obviously, to see the crowd reaction if he does go. Because um, I imagine there's probably some Bristol City fans who are a bit upset that um, he didn't come to them when they, you know, they were happy to splash even more cash than than we supposedly have. With the team as it is then, obviously there's there's probably less pressure on the players that are in the, the 11 at the moment, but Kevin, we, we assume Gray will go straight into the side for, for the weekend, assuming he's fit to do so. Apparently Matt Wharton's close to a return, Frederick Overstall's not far away. What would our strongest 11 be looking like? It's uh, you, You've got to put Gray, Gray Street in there, I think. Um, like I said, I think I'd put him up top with, with um, the... The, the German man, what's he called? The Hennings. <laughs> that's, um, his, that's his nickname, by the way, the German man. Yeah. Um, you've, you've got to put Arfield, Arfield wide for me. Um, not seen anything of Ulverstad, um, but he's a central midfielder, so he's got to go in there because there is nobody else. Um, do you know, I, I think I'd actually, at the moment, I'd probably put Arfield out wide and bring Ulverstad in for Boyd. Um, Boyd was one of our better players when he was on form last season, um, but I don't think I don't think either of our wingers in Kitely and Boyd have set the, the the world on fire so far. But I think Kitely has um, contributed more than Boyd, so I'd be tempted to drop Boyd for our field um, out wide. At the back, I'd, I'd probably go as is. Um, I know quite a few people would like to see Ward in for me, but I I, I quite like me um, and Dewiqua is is playing well, so there's no need to. To, to pull him out so um, I think yeah the, the change would be Hennings and Ward uh, Ward up top and then uh, sorry, not Ward who's Ward uh, Gray, Hennings and Gray up top 
Um, Interesting tactic that buy all these buy all these strikers and then play Stephen Ward up for a minute, so. <laughs> That would be incredible, wouldn't it? Yeah, <laughs> you never then, know. Um, you never know. Midfield of Kitely, Arfield, Ulverstad, and Jones. And what about you, James? What particularly the the strike force? What what do you think the the best two? I suppose the, the joy of having so many options now is that we can be a bit more flexible and not necessarily play the same team every week through. Which we've pretty much done for the last two years. Um, yeah, obviously, I'm pretty sure it's a given that Andre Gray is going to be um, top pick um, with the money we've spent. Um, and then I think you know it's probably up for grabs for anyone else. And you, you probably think maybe Hennings is is next in line because um, he's only had a, you know a short opportunity to show what he's got. And, and you know he was a signing that we felt was probably the, the team we got in from star player. Um, I think Duke is probably. Maybe dropped out of the picture now after another game where he didn't play awfully, but but couldn't score. Um, so I, yeah, I'd, I'd say it's probably between the three new boys to be honest to see who starts and um, you know then maybe Volks. But I, I don't know. You, you could keep saying that there's just too many names, isn't there? There is just too many names. I think we're all expecting at least one or two strikers to go, um, if not on loan them permanently in the next couple of weeks. But yeah, we'll have to leave that one and come back to it. I think when the Transfer windows maybe a little bit closer. We've lost Jordan Humphrey. We are trying to get him back, but um, yeah, he's got an internet connectivity thing, so that's why I'm not asking Jordan any questions. He's no longer with us. Uh, moving on, then Andre Gray wasn't much of a transfer saga, but there were more developments in the last week with Henry Lansbury from Nottingham Forest. Um, I don't even know where to start with this one, to be honest. It looked like it was going to be done at some point last week. I can't remember what day it was, maybe Thursday. Uh, Jukovic was even at the city ground, apparently, ready to sign as part of a part exchange. And then it all fell apart. Fawaz, the, the Forest chairman, put a picture of him and Henry Lansbury enjoying some celebrations. Lansbury was wearing a, a questionable hat. The picture was apparently not new, but still seemed to draw a line under it. In the last few days, there's been more talk that we could still be in for Lansbury. So, it seems like we're going to be talking about this one probably all season. Um, Kevin, we all know there's a massive gap in the midfield, but is Lansbury good enough for all this? Um, He'd be a great addition to the team. Whether he's good enough for all this is um, is, is an unknown. I, 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 I don't know what, what a normal transfer transfer goes like I don't know if this is what many transfers are like and we just don't get to hear about how much of them or if they're supposed to be a lot quicker I don't know but there certainly seems to have spent a lot of time um, chasing this Lansbury deal if it comes off it'd be fantastic um, I've not seen any other names really linked linked with us who who are a similar similar mould and similar quality uh, I'm not sure what players are out there who are who are available? I know Joey Barton's been mentioned a few times. I, I, I'd I'd certainly rather the likes of Lansbury and Barton. Um, if if the deal is is still alive, that'd be great. I'd, I'd still be happy to pursue him, or with the caveat that we we have lots of Plan B, C, D, and E, um, which seems to be our problem in January. Of it with that we, um, as soon as uh, our big deal broke down, the one we were after. Um, we we struggled a bit with uh, with a follow up from that. So our experience with Lansbury so far would would mean that if we are still pursuing that, we definitely need to 
have um, others in the pipeline too. James, what's your view of the whole kerfuffle? I don't know, kerfuffle might be a bad word for it. I don't know how else to describe it. It seems like Forrest have pulled the rug out on us a couple of times. Um, yeah, it just generally seems like they're awful to deal with. And to be honest, I'd, um, you know, I'd be staying well away. Because um, it it's just not... You know, it's not good for anyone, is it? Really, it's not. I don't mean, it's good for the players involved. Um, you know, when you're using old pictures of players with your chairman as like tools to please your fans, and, and these players apparently having gone to, you know, the other way to to talk terms um, for a, you know for a deal going to, to enable the the Lansbury deal, I just don't think it's really the way to to do business. And I think we should probably be looking uh, now at other targets. We've been quite critical about Jokovic on the, the podcast before. Fairly, I would say, after a striker who's not scored a goal in, I think it's about 30 games now. But it must be hard for him to apparently be surplus to requirements and go to Nottingham, presumably with the intention of signing for them and then really linking up again with Dougie Friedman, who he worked with at Bolton. And then the deal's off and he's back at Burnley and playing for us. It's. You've got to consider the players, as you just pointed out. It's such a strange position. Lansbury, to his credit, has kept quiet and is still playing for Forrest. But the way Forrest are acting, it's, it's just upheaval for everyone. and It makes you wonder why we've we've carried on putting up with what they're doing when they're, they're clearly being extremely unprofessional. Yeah, I mean, you know, everything they've done, is not, I just don't think, has been the right way to go around um, doing transfer business. and. You know, particularly it's a team uh, you know who are in the situ- situation they are. Um, I just don't think they should be you know burning bridges besides um, acting in that way. Um, one midfielder whose name has come up being linked is Joey Barton, a um, very divisive figure. He's available on a free at the moment, but presumably his wages will be quite hefty. Apparently Forrest were interested in Barton as well, potentially as a replacement for Lansbury, but were only able to offer him £10,000 a week, only £10,000 a week, poor Joey Barton, because of the transfer embargo they're under. Um, Jordan, what, what are your thoughts on Barton potentially coming to Turf Moor? There's been very little reported about this, but it's doing the rounds on Twitter. Um, it. Uh, I think Joey Barton is one of those players who nobody likes until he's on their team. Um, that said, I, I don't want to sign him, so that's yeah. I, <laughs> I, I, I think Sean Dyche makes a lot about about the. He talks a lot about the ethics of the team and the the the, the way he he likes to sign players who who really fit into what the. What the club's about, and I'm not sure how much Joe Barton fits into that. Um, so it, it, it seems a, a strange, a strange link, really. I don't know if it is just a, a media link or if it is something Sean Dyche is actually looking at. Um, I'd probably guess it might be the former, but this transfer window, we've seen a couple of surprises, so who knows? I think a lot of managers, and I, I don't know if Dyche is one of these, a lot of managers like to think that they can be the one who fixes. A broken player, I think. Players like Balotelli, there's always managers who are willing to take risks on him, think that they can get the best out of him and end up failing. I think Barton might just come into that category. Uh, when we asked about this on Twitter, a couple of people said, Yeah, I'd take him. He's basically saying he's a reformed character, he's not been in trouble recently. Um, I don't know exactly what his disciplinary record's been like in the last couple of years, but it's not that long ago since he got him sent off, himself sent off 
on the last game of the season when QPR needed to win at City, when City famously won um, right at the end. So that's that's not that long ago. And I'm sure last year he got himself sent off punching another player in the balls in a relegation of six points or so. He's clearly not completely fixed. And if we talk about Dyche and, and the character of the squad, James, surely Barton just doesn't fit in. Yeah, no, I can't see Barton fitting in with our squad at all. And you know, to be honest, I wouldn't touch him with a, a ten-foot barge pole. But he is a midfielder. <laughs> we we do clearly need a midfielder. Coming up at the weekend, then there's a, an away game at Bristol City. Ground we've not been to for a while, actually. Steve Cottrell's team, of course, that's another little subplot. Ashton Gate's been redeveloped, so it's almost a new ground for a lot of people. I'll be there for the the first time. Quite looking forward to that. Uh, James, what are you expecting from the weekend's game? Surely confidence will be high on the back of the win against Brentford and also having a new face in the squad in the form of Andre Gray, who we expect to play at least some part. I'm expecting a debut hat-trick, to be honest. Yeah. Got to set expectations high. Just the hat-trick? Uh, Is that it? Just, well, actually, no, a double hat-trick. You know, one one for each million. Uh, I, I think, obviously, expecting a tough game. Um, from what they've, they've done so far, it looks like, you know, Steve Cottrell's not... Not got put aside together that are you know a bunch of mugs, and um, they got a hard fought draw against Leeds the other week late on, and um, you got to think they're going to be tough to break down, and uh, you know we're going to have to be a little bit more clinical in front of goal than we've been so far, and um, and hopefully obviously offer a little bit more midfield, and I don't know whether you know that means we make some changes, um, but you know I'd expect obviously at least a change up front. We've not really talked about the Ipswich game because we've had so much else to go through, but. With that being the last away game, Kevin, surely there's got to be an improvement from that where Burnley went down 2-0 to two really quite soft goals. We've got to be sterner than that at the back. Um, definitely, yeah. I think it was an, a, an interesting one, that game, because it sounded like, I wasn't of the game, but it certainly sounded like we were starting to get into our stride a little bit and then all of a sudden we we stopped doing that and yeah it was it was a very disappointing it's, it's an interesting comparison actually because last year's game at Ipswich seems to have had quite a similar pattern but we need to go at the end instead so yeah yeah and, like like say, sometimes. and like I say there were soft goals and I think it was there were one of the, one of the things we, we had during the promotion season is that we were we were very difficult to score against um um and, and that's something we, we certainly need to get back. I think a few of the goals now we've conceded so far have been pretty soft, um, and a few individual mistakes at the back, perhaps, which we we need to um, cut out. Moving on, then, as we always end on predictions, we'll we'll go to you, James, for a prediction for the weekend's game, Ashton Gate. Uh, I think it's going to be two-one. Um... I think I've got to tone down from my enthusiasm enthusiasm <laughs> the first few weeks this season. I'd say two one and um, Andre Gray gets one. Um, I'm not sure who gets the other. Maybe Michael Michael Keane to retain his spot at the uh, top of the goal scorers chart. He's he's certainly been a threat so far. Um, Kevin and you a, a prediction for the weekend's game, Ashton Gate. Um, I'm going to hope that we're going to get that second uh, clean sheet. Um, I'm going to go for a 1-0 win this season. Uh, this season. Um, yeah, going to go for a 1-0 uh, win this time around. Um, and it's going to be a goal from Scott Arfield who gets pushed quite wide. 
good stuff. I, I'm with James. I think Gray's going to score and Burnley going to win. That is about all we've got time for. Um, thanks as ever to our sponsors and Neville G. We couldn't do the podcast without them. Um, we'll try and get some live tweets from Ashton Gate as usual on Twitter. Follow us on Twitter at NoNeverNet. If you were paying attention on Football League tonight on Channel 5 on Saturday night, the show that we slagged off two weeks ago, they featured one of our tweets. So, yeah, we we're, uh, we now like Football League tonight here at NoNeverNet. And we'll be tuning in to see if that becomes a regular feature. Um, thanks to Kevin, Jordan and James for joining us. Um, get in touch with, with any feedback about the podcast, please do. Our email address is podcast.nonenever.net. But that is it for this week. We'll be back next week with hopefully another win to talk about. Goodbye. <laughs> it's going to be quite a lot of editing for this week's, which is good because it'll give Adam something to do on his holiday, won't it? So. Easy come, easy go. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.